This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. We started to then hear these rumors. One of the rumors was the rumor of the party. This is Heather Catalo, an investigative reporter for WXYZ in Detroit. And in her line of work, she heard a lot of stories about Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. And we'd all heard it for months and months and months that this crazy thing had happened at the Manoogian and that Carlita was there and there was a stripper and, you know, and everyone's chasing this story. But nobody could prove it. The big thing occurred when he fired Gary Brown. Gary Brown was the head of internal affairs. And he served on the police department for over two decades. So it raised eyebrows when he was fired out of the blue. Everyone was just going, what, why? Why did the mayor let go the person who's in charge of investigating the cops? There was a a memo that got leaked out that showed that Brown was starting to investigate a number of different things, including these allegations about this party that may or may not have happened. And so he started to work on it, and the mayor fired him. And this uproar starts of what just happened. Kwame's nowhere to be found. We can't get an answer from the mayor's office about where he is, will he explain why he did what he did. Um, It's just not, he's not talking to reporters. And so we found out that he was taking off for D.C. Heather and her camera crew flew down to Washington, D.C. They met Kwame in the lobby of his hotel and confronted him about firing Gary Brown. Please expand on that for our viewers. I am so anxious to talk to the citizens of the city of Detroit about this. Um, When I come home, we will make a formal statement. It will either be tomorrow evening or on Friday during the day. You know, there's been several things done uh, by Mr. Brown uh, without my knowledge. Uh, I don't have any knowledge of what's going on over there and still don't. You have been very adamant that there was no party. How can you be so sure? Is it possible that members of your staff, that these things happened and you just didn't know about it? As far as the party, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Uh, This rumor has been swirling around the city of Detroit for months, and it's ridiculous to think that Kwame Kilpatrick would do something like that. I mean, I'm not typical of the traditional rumors that you hear about a 32-year-old black man. I'm not dumb. Uh, I don't sell drugs or or use them. Uh, I don't whore around on my wife, and I don't have wicked nude parties uh, at at my house. Uh, And that's ridiculous. And the God I serve knows that, and I can't wait until the truth comes out. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And he walked away with his bodyguards and got onto the elevator, and that was the end of it. The relationship between the mayor and the press just continued to deteriorate, and it just got worse and worse from there. I think um, at that point, we knew about the navigator. We now know that the mayor had fired 
the head of internal affairs, who was following up on allegations against the mayor, essentially. And it just started to look like this is going to get really ugly. And it did. One, two, three, now! Last episode, we told you about how Kwame Kilpatrick started running into trouble over his personal style, his spending habits, and a rumor about a wild party at the Manoogian Mansion, the mayor's official residence. Today on the show, as more and more scandals pile up, Kwame fights for his political life. I'm John White. Welcome to Crime Town. It's been argued that we've elected the nation's first hip-hop mayor, Kwame Kilpatrick. So the rumor was that Kwame Kilpatrick had some sort of bachelor party type event at the Manoogian Mansion, and that there were strippers there. Tonight, Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick hopes he's putting all the rumors and allegations of wrongdoing to rest. In May 2003, a day after Heather Catalo confronted Kwame Kilpatrick, the mayor flew back to Detroit. He called a press conference on the steps of the Manoogian Mansion to address the scandal. I want to stand here and tell the citizens of the city of Detroit that Kwame Kilpatrick has absolutely nothing to hide about any of these allegations. I think and feel very strongly that an independent evaluation or investigation needs to be done on all of these allegations. So the next time that someone is disgruntled and starts to say anything, you all won't take it as true. And with that, surrounded by family and friends and appointees, the city's youngest mayor talked about the allegations that have rocked his administration. The most serious, that there was a wild party at the Manoogian Mansion with new dancers and his wife walked in. It never happened. It never happened. It never happened. Kwame tried again and again to dismiss the rumor of a wild party at the mayor's residence, but it just wouldn't go away. And not only that, right around this time, something happened that was about to make the rumor much, much worse. This was a typical drive-by shooting. This is Mike Carlisle, a Detroit homicide detective. On April 30th, 2003, a woman named Tamara Green, who worked as an exotic dancer, was finishing up her shift at a strip club. Tamara Green, she is known, her dancing name, her street name, was Strawberry. She had finished dancing, the bar closes at 2 a.m. After work, Tamara Green went to pick up her boyfriend, Eric Mitchell, a drug dealer known as Big E. She picked him up and she was driving over to the city's west side and a little after 4 a.m., they're sitting in front of one of his houses in, uh, on the west side of Detroit. She's behind the steering wheel, and Big E is sitting in the right front passenger seat. Big E, Eric, he looked in front of him at the corner. He's seen a light-colored SUV turn and start approaching their vehicle head, head on. The driver put out his left hand, while Eric Mitchell, by his own statement, just try to get down on the floorboard. As the SUV got closer, the driver of this vehicle started firing 
and apparently emptied a clip of ammunition. She was struck three times. I believe Eric was struck twice in the shoulder. And the vehicle went down the street. The SUV rolled past him. Eric Mitchell jumps out of the car, and from there he runs up on a porch asking neighbors for help. And the police arrive. The SUV's already gone out of sight. Uh, EMS gets on the scene. They pull Tamara Green from the vehicle, and she's, she's basically dead at the scene. There are a lot of shootings in Detroit, but the murder of Tamara Green wouldn't go unnoticed, thanks to one particular detail. The lieutenant in charge of Squad 8 had made a remark. The caliber of bullets that had uh, killed her were 40 caliber bullets, and he made a remark, well, you know, Detroit police carry Glock 40 caliber weapons. Well, here you go, the media started a frenzy again. Claims that strippers went to the mayor's mansion for a party for Kwame Kilpatrick. That the mayor's wife showed up and was outraged. Reports she attacked and assaulted one of the exotic dancers. And that one of the dancers at the mansion was Tamara Green, a high-priced stripper known as Strawberry. The same woman who months later was murdered in a drive-by. Police now describe that as a hit. Wild rumors or true stories. Tamara Green was the person supposedly that got beat up at the party by the mayor's wife. This is Christine Beatty, Kwame's chief of staff. Ultimately, she ended up dead. So then they tried to do this theory of, oh, she ended up dead because she danced at the mayor's party. When that thing came up and took on its own life, again, we had already established that there was no party. So to now try to tie this random girl's murder in with, you know, the mayor and administration was, I, I, to this day, it makes me so angry. How did Kwame take it? Do you remember? Oh, it was, it was a horrible time for us. It was a horrible time. Then after this young lady got killed, I heard that, oh, that was the stripper at the Manuka. The news was chasing me down, calling me a murderer. After that, I'm like, because I'm out here busting my butt for this time. I mean, I, you know, I didn't get any sleep. You know, I was waking up in the middle of the night doing all kinds of stuff. You know, we just trying to shovel snow, cut grass, fix streets. All of that work got swallowed up in this kind of Negro uh, urban legend, it was called. But it was more than that. It was a part of the whole process of really demonizing and uh, degrading me. And so, yeah, it definitely hurt. I was depressed and tired and wanted to get up out of there. <laughs> in Detroit, a huge development in the Manukian Mansion scandal involving a stripper who later wound up dead. That scandal revolves around Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick, his wife. When we start coming up on time to run again, which is 2005, we had to seriously think about it. I mean, it was like, I want out of here. I mean, I was very like, I'm breaking my neck for what now? Like, hold on. And of course you always come back to the people, the citizens that you're serving. But is it worth being attacked in this way? And I don't remember the exact conversations of how we got there. I know the overall thing was, we can't go out like this. Like, this can't be the swan song. Like, we owe it to our city and the people that are here to continue this fight.
This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Remember four years ago when our parks were neglected and playground equipment was rusting away? My grandfather lived just one block away from this park when nothing was here. And today I stand in this park filled with laughing children and parents with pride in our community. This job is personal because I was raised in this city. We're rebuilding our parks because it's time to show our children what standing together can do. Let's continue standing strong for Detroit. In 2005, despite a first term dominated by a series of scandals, Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick decided to run for re-election. So I actually thought it was a slam dunk. I, I had a little bit of a, of, the, of a Trump problem. You know, I didn't really listen to the media or I thought it was all fake news. But Kwame was in for a rude awakening. In the city of Detroit, voters went to the polls for the mayoral primary in that city. And Kwame Kilpatrick, the sitting mayor, was dealt a pretty harsh blow by Freeman Hendricks. Uh, Hendricks won by 46 percent. Kilpatrick only had 34 percent. They were the two top vote-getters in this primary, so they will meet in the November 8th election. Uh, But for a sitting mayor, uh, a sitting mayor in Detroit... Kwame's opponent was a man named Freeman Hendricks. Hendricks was a politician's politician, a former deputy mayor and chairman of the school board. I know that the incumbent mayor begins with some big advantages, but no amount of money and certainly no amount of flash, no amount of bling bling. My daughter helped me understand what that means. No amount of bling bling can fool the voters when the job of leading our city is not getting done. We can have a campaign that Detroiters will be proud of, one that we know that will bring us a brighter future and one that we know that is much better than our past. And it will certainly be better than what we are experiencing right here, right now. Freeman Hendricks had the kind of savvy and personality that just kind of dominated a room and lit up a room. And so This is Greg Bowens. He was Freeman Hendricks' campaign spokesperson. And despite both candidates being black, race, once again, found its way into Detroit's mayoral election. The way that it played out was light skin versus dark skin, which would never have been an issue ever anyplace else because black is black. And because Freeman is of mixed race, they were able to make an issue of it. Now, certainly, I never heard Kwame Kilpatrick say, you know, Freeman is a mulatto or anything like that. But the people around him and the message that was pushed out there was that Freeman's mother was white and, you know, and he ain't really black. Freeman is a smart man. Um, He was a very formidable candidate, had great relationships in the city. And he was uh, light-skinned with curly hair, and he was like a socially acceptable black man for a lot of people in the white community. Uh, you know, we can't, we can't just glaze over that. That, that was a huge issue uh, at the time. You had the six-foot-four, 300-pound black guy 
uh, and you had this, this socially acceptable, uh, nicer, kinder, gentler black man. And, and then at the same time, the Tamara Green story erupted on the scene where I was actually uh, being called a murderer. And, and so right in the middle of this campaign, you have all of this stuff happening. They're, they're running stories about everything. They're bringing up old stories, uh, the Navigator. They're bringing up stories of parties and all kinds of things. And then at the same time, you're being called a, a murderer, and this guy is raising an incredible amount of money. It was a full court press. It was get Kwame Kilpatrick out of there at all costs. And that full court press? According to Kwame, it was coming from the media who endorsed Freeman Hendricks. And so I saw a collective effort on the part of a lot of people in the city, including Detroit's media, uh, endorsing him. Both papers, the Free Press and the News, endorsed him early. And so it it was a challenge uh, immediately. Local op-eds at the time included lines like, does anyone really believe this flamboyant 34-year-old man-child is the best Detroit can do? And he simply believes he can make almost anything be the truth if he just runs his mouth enough. His practice swagger conceals the desperation of a demagogue fighting for his life. Time magazine named Kwame one of the worst mayors in America. But it's time for some offense. And as an offensive tackle, I can't wait to hit somebody. I can't wait. So can you start just by telling us um, your name and what you do? Adolf Mongo. And what's, what do you do? What's your... Fuck with people. <laughs> That's what I do. How do you fuck with people? Well, you know, I'm a political and media consultant. Oh. Put out fires. Start fires. <laughs> if Adolf Mongo's last name sounds familiar, it's because he's a brother of Larry and Skip Mongo who you met in previous episodes. In Detroit, Adolf is known as the guy to turn to when you're ready to fight dirty. And in the 2005 election, Kwame was getting more and more desperate. People started abandoning the campaign. It looked like he was going to lose. He kept calling me. He called me one time, 3 o'clock in the morning. My wife grabbed my phone. I had one of those flip phones. She's like, hello. I'm like, I'm like, like I got somebody calling me at 3 o'clock in the morning. She says, Mayor, Dolph, I need you, man. Can you meet with me? I said, I don't know. I said, I don't, I don't know, Mr. Mayor. But I went over there. I walked in the, into the mayor's office. He, he, they, he didn't have one book, nothing. I said, maybe this is the, the new, what's happening with the internet and all this shit. I said, he, he's an attorney. He passed the bar on the first try, so he's not stupid. He's a pretty smart guy. But had no books, no newspapers, no computer. All he had pictures of him and other folks. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> what, did that, what did that tell you? <laughs> they, they don't get it. They don't get it. But eventually, Adolph agreed to work with Kwame. And he had an idea. And we bought a full-page ad in the Michigan Chronicle and the Michigan Citizen, two black newspapers. Adolph created a newspaper ad featuring an image of black men being lynched. 
During our interview, he pulls it up on his phone. Yeah, there. See, that's part of that. Lynching is still legal in America. Can you describe what we're looking at? We're looking at three young black men lynched with a mob around them. What does the mob look like? All white folks. They lynched these guys. The text read, Lynching is still legal in America. And the most recent victim of media lynching in Detroit is our mayor, Kwame Kilpatrick. Below, there was a list of the so-called media lynch mob, complete with names and photos of local journalists. People say they don't like negative ass. That's BS. They love it. This was one of the most racially charged political ads ever in the history of local politics. When it went public, it created a national firestorm. In this world of nasty and negative political ads, this one may take the cake. The ad referring to the media treatment of Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick, who is running for a second term. It's accusing a media lynch mob of unfairly attacking Kwame Kilpatrick. Well, we wouldn't even make a menacing book club, let alone a, a lynch mob, I don't think. This was one of the reporters named in the ad. Um, how did you feel to be a part of this? Just wave it away? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's a racist piece of trash. It's about what you would expect from supporters of that campaign. They've been race baiting since the beginning. Kwame was calling me saying, say that wasn't your ad, please. You know. <laughs> he, was, he was scared. Yeah, he was scared. I was in, I was having a great time. I was in my element. Two weeks and two days. That is all that's left before Detroiters head to the polls in what everyone frames as a terribly critical election for the city. And the head-to-head match... As election day approached, Kwame appeared on a local talk show. A note or two about the questions. Uh, there will be no questions about uh, Manoogian Mansion rumors. If those are the most important things to you in this election, my guess is you've already made up your mind. How would the Kilpatrick administration be different in a second term than it was in the first? I hope I've shown uh, Detroiters from the primary to the day a tremendous amount of maturation and growth. I think people see that in me already. But I think I've been a good mayor. I think I've done some good things. I'm ready to be a great mayor, though, now. Kwame needed to convince Detroit that he could be a great mayor. And he got his chance during the debates. Tonight, Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick and challenger Freeman Hendricks go head-to-head. So every debate that Kwame and Freeman had, the room was at capacity. So we were in a lecture hall at Wayne State University. Again, Christine Beatty. I think capacity crowd probably was about maybe 300 seats or whatever. So that was packed. People were lined all on the walls, stood all in the back, open spaces. It was packed. As the debate kicked off, Freeman Hendricks went on the attack. You cannot ask workers to give up pay cuts, to give up concessions, to give up benefits and so forth if you are partying with the taxpayers' money. And clearly, clearly. So the pain starts at the top. The pain starts with the mayor taking a 25% cut. The party is over. It wasn't looking good for Kwame. But then... Dean Moore, the next question is for Freeman Hendricks. Scientists are making a dire prediction. There's the potential for a global flu pandemic that could affect millions of lives around the world. The professor was sitting in the front row, and he posed the question about, you know, a pandemic. 
hitting the city of Detroit? Are we ready? You know, what does that look like in terms of preparedness? How would you ensure that we are ready for something like that and any other catastrophe here in Detroit? Uh, Mr. Wu, thanks for the question. Uh, the health department here in the city of Detroit, like all of our departments, are challenged from a budget standpoint. And Freeman's answer was like, oh, we'll have our, all of our health clinics together. We'll make sure we have his staff with doctors and nurses. And as soon as he said his answer, he clapped, you know, his little people clapped. And the professor, you know, said, Mr. Mayor, you know, and gave him the answer. And Kwame's response was, now see, this is what I'm talking about. The question was about a pandemic on health, flu. And my opponent talked about he's going to get some clinics up. Listen, Detroit, I, I want you to listen closely to this debate because you can lob all these things, but you have to have people that actually have done things in office. You know, this man just asked about a pandemic. You understand what a pandemic is? Because if there's a pandemic, we have to also have an evacuation plan. We have to have a quarantine plan. We also have to move very aggressively to make sure that our least of these, our children and our seniors, are provided with water, are provided with medicine. We also have to know what kind of vaccine stock we have now. And in our health department, we have to It was one of the best takedowns that I had ever seen in my life, and the crowd went crazy. None of this was happening when Mr. Hendricks was in office, and he can't speak to it because he doesn't know about it. I mean, the look on Freeman's face was really like shell shock. We're already running over on time. Let me, let me just say, seconds. you know, I might be a pretty face, but he's a great talker, don't you agree? I tend to think debates in this day and age calcify standing opinions far more often than they create new ones. But something caused the big movement in our most recent Survey USA poll. All of a sudden, the double-digit lead of Freeman Hendricks is down to four points within the margin of error for the poll. How'd that happen? Momentum started to shift towards Kwame. And then, in the final days of his campaign, he got an unlikely boost. A woman described as the mother of the modern-day civil rights movement passed away. Rosa Parks died of natural causes in her Detroit home at the age of 92. Parks became famous for refusing to give up her bus seat to a white passenger. In the optics of him during Rosa Parks' funeral was a big deal. This is Detroit Free Press reporter Jim Schaefer. A legend, obviously, especially in this town where she came to live for many, many years. Um, and there was a funeral televised. And his opponent, Freeman Hendricks and Kilpatrick, were both at the funeral. Kilpatrick was inside, and you could see him on TV paying his respects. Everything has really been said about Mother Parks. And I want to go to a different perspective and not one of an elected official. As a man who is a good husband of Carlita, I didn't say great, I said good. I don't want her to stand up and testify. But who's the great dad of Jelani, Jalil, and Jonas? I say to you, Mother Parks, thank you for showing men what true courage really is. Freeman Hendricks went outside and started campaigning, shaking people's hands, and that looked bad. That looked really bad. 
suggestion, I know, but make no mistake, the Rosa Parks funeral not only suspended campaigning for several inexpensive days, but it also allowed the mayor to look awfully mayoral, standing among the likes of Bill Clinton and Jesse Jackson. The theme of the day was to honor Rosa Parks, get out there and vote. Election night comes and we're up 10 points and folks are dancing. Again, Greg Bowens, Freeman Hendricks, his spokesperson. We were at the State Theater next door to the Fox Theater, and the place was packed, you know, waiting for the final uh, count to sort of come in. about anything, I simply say to you that this election is far from being over. The celebration is far from being ended. And this 21-month journey is very much alive. It is well. And the hope for this city, the promise that we can indeed be a city that we can believe in again, is on schedule. So, I remain optimistic. And then the lights go out. Literally, there was a blackout. And then when the lights came on again, 10, 15 minutes later... The TV's back on, and uh, folks are like, the numbers are flipped. Instead of, you know, 10 points up, we're down. It was like, what the hell? <laughs> it was, that's what it was like. It was like, what the hell? They're still in this election right out from under us. How does that happen? Let's hear what the mayor has to say as he uh, greets some of his supporters on the stage tonight. Hello, Detroit! Hello, Detroit! All right. How's everybody doing? All right, all right, all right. In the great spirit of Mother Rosa Parks, Detroit showed up today. I'm just here to tell Fox 2 and Channel 4 and Channel 7 to just wait on the streets because today everybody is created equal. Everybody got a right to vote today. And when that vote comes in, I know what you're going to see. You're going to see Kilpatrick four more years. One big surprise on election night came in Detroit. The incumbent mayor, Kwame Kilpatrick, pulled away at the end to win a second term over the challenger, Freeman Hendricks. Mr. Mayor, if you'll repeat after us and give your name. I, I, Kwame Kilpatrick, (laughs) do solemnly swear swear that I will support the Constitution. In January of 2006, Kwame was sworn in for a second term as mayor. The charter of the city of Detroit. And that, that you will faithfully discharge. And I will faithfully discharge. The duties of the office. What people have to understand, whether you're mayor or governor or president of the United States, you don't operate in a vacuum. Again, Greg Bowens, Freeman Hendricks' spokesperson. You may think that the office protects you, but it really doesn't. If anything, it exposes who you are as a person. You know, it reveals 
more than it hides about your personality and what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And it also opens you up to a greater level of scrutiny. This kind of light that you're under and the kind of controls that are put into place when they work and they will eventually work. It might take time, but you can't hide behind the seal of the mayor forever or governor or president. It's just, it's just not possible. In just under four hours of testimony, the mayor said former Deputy Chief Gary Brown was let go of his appointment as head of police internal affairs because he broke the chain of command. Lawyers for the two men who say the mayor retaliated against them for investigating the mayor and his staff are trying to portray the mayor as a liar. That's next time on Crime Town. Crime Town is Mark Smirling and Zach Stewart Pontier. This season is made in partnership with Gimlet Media and Spotify. This episode was produced by Samantha Lee, Soraya Shockley, Rob Zipko, and me, John White. The senior producer is Drew Nellis. Editing by Zach Stewart-Pontier and Mark Smerling. Fact-checking by Jennifer Blackman. This episode was mixed, sound designed, and scored by Kenny Kusiak. Original music this season composed by Homer Steinweiss. We recorded some original music at Rust Belt Studios in Detroit in partnership with Detroit Sound Conservancy. Special thanks to Carlton Goals and Maurice Piranahead Hurd. Additional music by Kenny Kusiak and John Kusiak. Additional mixing by Bobby Lord. Our theme song is Politicians in My Eyes by Death. Our credit music this week is Survival by Fat Cat. Archival research by Brennan Reese. Archival material courtesy of WXYZ in the Walter P. Ruther Library at Wayne State University. Show art and design by James Cabrera and Elise Harvin. We've got a great website with bonus content for each episode like photos, videos, and newspaper clippings, as well as a full list of credits and a transcript. Check it out at crimetownshow.com. Thanks to the Detroit Free Press, Peter Batia, Mary Schrader, Mary Wallace, Max White, Randy Lundquist, Eric Hetherington at DD Video, Devin Skillian, Melissa Sampson, the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, the Detroit Historical Society, Brendan Roney, Mike Martin, Ron Fleming, Art Blackwell, Harold Gerowitz, Emil Elric, Darcy McConnell, Charlie LaDuff, Zach Rosen, Elizabeth Clemens, Miles Feltzot, and everyone who shared their stories with us. Detroit's an amazing place, and we're honored to tell a small part of its story. Alex Bloomberg is the podfather. He called me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. He said, John, I need you, man. Can you meet with me? I said, I don't know, Mr. Bloomberg. 
But I went over there. I walked into his office. He didn't have one book. Nothing. I said, maybe this is the new what's happening with the internet and all this shit. All he had were pictures of him and other folks. (laughs) 